Hey, New Life family, it's so great to be back with you. Welcome to 2022. Happy New Year to you. It's so good to be with you. Thank you for joining us during our online weekend experience. And we hope that you had an amazing Christmas and also a happy new year. We hope that during this year, uh, one of our prayers for you is that you can engage and experience a relationship with Jesus that you've never experienced before. That this really, truly can be an amazing year for you as we kick off this brand new year. We know that God has amazing things in store for all of us. And we know that he wants us to grow deeper with him. And that's our prayer for all of us. Wherever you're watching from is that God will connect with you in a deeper way than he ever has before. Hey, go ahead and take out your phones. If you are new with us, then you can uh, search for our our app that we have uh, uh, through the App Store, whatever device you may be using. Uh, Go to the App Store, look for New Life Christian Center, download the app because that's where our message notes are located. And today we are beginning a brand new series for the brand new year called The Time Is Now. Now, over the last couple of weeks, you've seen different people from our staff and from our team, our teaching team that's been uh, on camera. And so I know the end, of, uh, the, the end of the year, Pastor Brett and Pastor Tito spoke at our campuses. And then last year was our Celebrate Recovery Weekend. We had a great great time, a great experience at both of our campuses. And if you missed that, you can go back and watch those on our YouTube channel or our website. But we just want to let you know that Pastor Dave will be back live in Turlock this coming weekend, and I will be live at our Patterson location this weekend as well. Hey, let's dive into it. Uh, This is a brand new year, like we said, a brand new series uh, as we launch into 2022. And I know that nothing really uh, automatically magical happens when we come into a new year. I know a lot of us, uh, when we come into a new year, we start envisioning and dreaming and kind of mapping out, charting out what that year is going to look like, especially if you're a long-term planner, which I am not, all right, my team will tell you. But many of us make resolutions, we make goals, uh, we're trying to figure some things out, right? New year, we're going to figure ourselves out, we're going to discover ourselves, things are going to be great. Some of us write things down like, uh, I'm going to read my Bible more, I'm going to uh, spend more time with my friends or family, I'm going to stay connected to my faith family more, I'm going to live on a budget, I'm going to become healthier mentally and, and physically, and we start going to the gym for about a week uh, into the new year. And our whole list is filled with things that I'm going to. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. But notice we don't ever write things down that actually do happen. I'm going to have some conflict at work. I'm going to be criticized. I'm going to go through some relational struggles. So I plan on having some health issues this year. No, (laughs) those are not my goals for 2022. We want to focus on the positive things, don't we? We want to focus on progress. But what happens when we get hit by things that were unexpected? Unexpected pain, unexpected hurt, unexpected discouragement. And we think, hey, where's God in all this? I mean, I thought, I thought God promised me that I wouldn't have to go through these things. That I, Once I surrender my life to Jesus, I would no longer have struggles or trials. No, no, no. God never promised those things. In fact, I'm a little hesitant, even being the eternal optimist that I am. Coming into 2020, remember Dave and I, we, 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 we gave this message, 2020 vision, having a clearer vision of God's purpose in our life. And then March of 
2020 hit, COVID hit. And then 2021, we came into that year saying, oh, this is going to be a great year. I can't wait. God's got something special. And then 17 days later, after I declared that my daughter got hit by a car, had to be airlifted to Fresno to Children's. We were there for a week. Also found out she's a type 1 diabetic on the way there. So I'm a little hesitant. i got to be honest with you. I have a little bit of anxiety coming into 2022 and saying, this is going to be an amazing year. I have a little bit of PTSD. And we think, where's God in all of this? I thought God promised me this great, blessed life, and actually he never promises us that. He actually promises something deeper, something better, something lasting. So we're going to jump into this series, and we're going to talk about things that are critical and urgent right now. Okay, this first series, like we said, of 2022 is called The Time Is Now. And the Bible has a lot to say about what's happening in our current moment. The moment in which we live right now. The right now season. Because yesterday's come and gone. I have no idea what's going to happen tomorrow. But right now, God has a purpose for me. So we're going to dig into what that looks like and how we can actually live that out. We're going to talk about how the time is now to discover the heart of God, to discover the heart of God for us. So over the next several weeks, we're going to really look into a lot of things that really help us fulfill our mission in taking one step closer to Jesus, to have a vision and to sort of clear the deck, if you will, of the things that get in the way. Because I believe that we serve a God who is a God of purpose, that you and I are not here by accident, that we didn't just come about by chance. There's something that God put on the inside of our hearts that causes us to crave something more, something significant, something eternal, because we search and we, we, we seek and we wander. We were designed to tap into eternity. We were designed to seek after God and to know him. God made us that way. So that even in our sin, even in our brokenness, even in our problems and our suffering of life, we can find that we serve a God of purpose and that there's a God of purpose behind it all. So I want to really dive into that today. Now here's the truth that we're going to talk about as we kick off this new year. Now is the time to discover who you are in Jesus. To discover God's design for you. To discover what that looks like to take one step closer to Jesus for you, for me. Now I want to read a passage uh, to you from Romans chapter 13. It's not our key passage for today, but I want you to see this first before we go into the rest of the message. The Apostle Paul writes this in Romans chapter 13. Love does no wrong to others. So love fulfills the requirements of God's law. This is all the more urgent for you know how Late it is. Time is running out. Wake up, for our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is almost gone. The day of salvation will soon be here. Now the Apostle Paul wrote this in Greek. And there were several words that they used around that time for this, uh, for this whole concept of time. When they were writing about time. We actually do the same thing here in 2022. Now, Paul could have used the the Greek word chronos, okay, which means seconds and minutes and hours. But instead, Paul chooses to to use a different word. 
a word that's much less about seconds and minutes, but more about missed opportunity. He says it's quote-unquote urgent that we learn and live a life of love because time is running out. In other words, don't let this opportunity pass you by. Life is short, so love now. This is a season of significance, a season of impact and purpose for us to love one another right now. And then he uses this term to describe that the night is almost gone and salvation will soon be here. He's describing the, the urgency that has to deal with the, to do with ultimate fulfillment. It's like that phrase that we've probably heard before, our finest hour. This is our finest hour. You've probably heard leadership people say that or, or, or seen it in movies or TV shows. It's not about a 60-minute span of time. When we hear people say, this is our finest hour, it's a moment of courage, a moment of, of faith, and a moment of willingness and trust and action. This is what Paul's talking about here. Paul wants us to know that the time is now, that God is at work all around us right now. And there's an importance and an urgency to wake up, to, to become alert and aware of the reality that God is alive and active inside you right now. The tr that God is true. That God is for you. That he's not against you. And if we don't pay attention, if you and I don't wake up, we could miss all that God desires to do on the inside of us and through us. We could miss God's desires for us. So I want you to turn to, to Jeremiah chapter 29. Jeremiah chapter 29. This is our key passage today. And it's going to be about God's desires, about God's purposes that came from an encounter in the Old Testament between God and the prophet Jeremiah. Okay, now Jeremiah lived at a time when the Israelites were captured and taken away by a foreign king to live in Babylon. Okay, that's very important to understand. And they're, they're, they're going to be there for 70 years. For 70 years. Now, if you don't know that background, it's, it's really easy to misuse the verses that we're going to be reading here in just a minute and actually kind of pull them out of context. We do it all the time. That's part of uh, uh, what, when we read it, we think, oh, I've heard that before. When, I'm, I'm going to read a, a particular verse in there. You're going to hear it. And you're going to say, I know that verse. I've heard it said before. I've seen it on an Instagram post or a graduation card. And it's one of those verses that we claim and we misuse, but I'm not sure we actually grasp what God is trying to communicate to us. So we're going to start in verse 10. But real quick, we're going to look at, at verse 1. Because in verse 1, it says that Jeremiah wrote this letter. Okay, Jeremiah wrote this letter to the elders and the priests and all the people who have been exiled to Babylon during this time. Okay, now I'm showing you this first so that you know that this message to, is not to the New Testament church for what you and I face today. Okay, God didn't inspire it to be written just about me and my personal life. Though, listen... Though there is some truth that you and I can understand from it. Okay, I want, to be very, I want to be very clear when I say that. Okay, it wasn't written to the, to, to the New Testament church for what you and I are going through. But there is a very strong truth that you and I can understand and gain from it. It was written at a certain time in a certain place to God's chosen people living in Babylonian captivity. So remember that. When we read this, starting in verse 10 of Jeremiah 29. This is what the Lord says. Okay, this is Jeremiah declaring this. This is what the Lord says. 
You will be in Babylon for 70 years, but then I will come and do for you all the good things I have promised, and I will bring you home again. So God is telling the people of Babylon, or the, the, the Israelites that it's going to be, you're going to be sent to Babylonian captivity for 70 years, and after that I'm going to bring you home. This is the part that sounds familiar. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. And then we stop it right there. (laughs) We don't read the next part, but the next part is critical as well. In those days, when you pray, I will listen. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. I will be found by you, says the Lord. I will end your captivity and restore your fortunes. I will gather you out of the nations where I sent you and will bring you home again to your own land. Did you catch it? Did you hear it? I told you some of that's going to sound familiar. That part of the verse that we quote so often, we put it in greeting cards. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, to give you a hope and a future. We see it on the walls. We send it to people, and sometimes we try to claim it in very unintended ways, and we misuse it. We say, hey, you're graduating from high school. You're graduating from college. Here's a great verse for you. God's going to bless you and prosper you. And then six months later, when you don't have a job and the student loans are knocking on your door, and then you begin to say to yourself, hey, where's God? Okay, I thought he was going to take care of me. I thought he was going to give me a a future and a hope. And we say to somebody else that may be going through a hard time, hey, I know this hard time is only temporary. You need to know that God's going to prosper you. Or maybe someone loses their job. Hey, guess what? God's got a future for you. God's going to prosper you. And then it stretches on for months and for months, no job. And you start saying, I'm not seeing the answers here. I'm not seeing God's solution. And again, we say, where is God? I thought he promised to prosper me. I thought he promised to not harm me. I thought he promised to give me a future and a hope to make my life better. And then we begin to think that God let us down. Here's what we miss. Right before he says, I'm going to prosper you, he says, you're going to be in captivity for 70 years. Now, how many of us want to sign up for that? Or you say, I want God to prosper me, whatever it takes. All right. Here you go. You're going to be uh, you're going to spend 70 years alone with no resources. It's going to be a hard 70 years. Are you still in? You still willing to do that? Nah, I don't know about that. <laughs> I mean, I I'm I'll be 50 years old next month. For God to tell me, "Hey Jeremy, I'm going to prosper you." But first, you're going to struggle for 70 years. Well, God, I'm going to be 120. I'm not even going to be around in 70 years. Now, guess what? I 100% firmly do believe that God does want to prosper you. Just not in the way that most of us American Christians interpret the word prosperity. So I want to dig into what that means because I believe that this passage has even a bigger meaning than just a wish list. I actually believe that God gets tired of being treated like a slot machine. This passage speaks to deeper things than just our current circumstances, than just our current realities. This passage is showing us how God works. When you interpret something from the Old Testament like this, all right, here's a little little note. When you interpret something from the Old Testament like this, you've got to remember that it was written for Israel for a very specific season. And we don't always read it and get to apply it directly to our lives 
as what we're going through. Instead, what we do is we take kind of a middle step. God said this to them. He showed them things about himself. So what can I learn today about what God showed Israel then? What is the truth? What are the principles? What's the invitation that I understand about God from what he said to them? So let's dive into that. What actually was God saying to Israel when he said, hey, you're going to be in captivity for 70 years, but I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to prosper you. I'm going to give you a future and a hope. I'm going to bring you back home, and you're going to experience my goodness and my grace. I'm going to bless you. You're going to pray, and and you're going to be in relationship with me. I'm going to hear you, and I'm going to respond. What was he teaching Israel about himself? What is he teaching us about himself today? What is he teaching us about his character? What is he teaching us about his love and how he made us? Well, let's look. Here's your first fill-in for 2022 for the, first se- for the first series that we're in, and it is this. I am uniquely designed and loved by God. I am uniquely designed and loved by God. God was speaking through the prophet Jeremiah to every Israelite taken into Babylonian captivity who was wondering, and still what we wonder here today, where's God? Why is this happening to me? And God was reminding them of who they are. Just like he reminds us today of who we are. In this passage, God tells them, I'm not giving up on you. You're still my child. We still have a relationship. I'm bringing you home someday. Even though you're in captivity, you can still pray to me. I'm still going to listen. I'm still going to respond. He's reminding them that nothing on earth, nothing, not, none of their circumstances that they're going through can break or circumvent their relationship. And he's saying to them, this is who you are. You are Israel. You are mine, even in captivity, even in Babylon. So how does this relate to me? (laughs) Right here in the beginning of 2022. Well, personally, I put my faith and my hope and my trust in Jesus nearly 32 years ago. And the moment I did that, I was adopted into God's forever family. And you know what? He doesn't unadopt me. He doesn't disown me. He hasn't forsaken me or left me. And that's your story too. The Bible says over and over again that God is present and that my identity is wrapped up in the relationship and my relationship with Jesus. Look at what the Apostle Paul said in Romans 8. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's Spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba Father. For his Spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. Man, isn't that great? This is important because a lot of us find our identity and our affirmation in the world around us. Or we seek our identity and our achievements or, or in the way that others might define us. We allow others to define us. We allow others in the world to give us our identity. But God's desire is that we find our identity in Him. And I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, I can stand here all day and say, for all of my worst mistakes and all of my biggest sins and all my rebellion against God, all my failures and my pain and my suffering, I know 100% that that I am forgiven, that I am a child of God, that that's who I am. 
that I am in Christ and I have a relationship with him. I am his child. So when you ask me, who is Jeremy Moore? I might say, well, I'm a dad, I'm a, I'm a husband, I'm a pastor, I'm a relational leader. No, those are all things I do for a living or maybe roles that I have in life. At the end of the day, when you trust Jesus, you are a child of God. That's who you are. And now is the time. Now is the time to take hold of that. Now is the time to embrace your identity in Jesus Christ. I believe, in, I believe we have an identity crisis in our culture today. And the reason we stay in these repeating habits of addiction and, and struggle and brokenness is because we have forgotten who we are. We've forgotten whose we are. You are a person that God created to love. He created you to have an impact for his kingdom, not your kingdom, for his kingdom. That's who you are. And because of that, this takes us to our fill in number two. I can know and experience God. Number two, I can know and experience God. Have you ever wondered this? I know you have. What's my purpose? Why am I on this planet? Yes, I can agree that God created me, but I have no idea why. We've even talked uh, statistically how you are here. If you are born, then you beat the odds. All right, now some people say, oh, I don't know that I beat the odds or not because I don't, really, I don't really like my life. Let me tell you something. Every person born, you have a 1 in 400 trillion chance of being born. 1 in 400 trillion. So when you ask, Okay, I believe that God designed me. I believe that God made me. But why? The ultimate answer to that is to know the creator. To know the creator. God told Israel, hey, in captivity, I'm still your God. And when you come home, I'm still going to be your God. It's this reoccurring theme that we see in the book of Jeremiah. God's understanding and knowledge of his people. This is the same Jeremiah that wrote this in Jeremiah chapter 1. The Lord gave me this message. He said this. Quote, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as my prophet to the nations. Think about that. This is yet another verse that we, with, with which we can understand and identify. We are crafted in our mother's womb from conception all the way until birth. God is like a master artist, okay? He's like this, this master architect. He's always creating. He's always shaping and designing you. Why? Because he knows you and he wants you to know him. But you see, culture, and sometimes our own heart, pushes us to pursue purpose differently, doesn't it? We think, you know, I've got, to have a, I've got to make a certain amount of money before I really matter. I've got to lead a certain amount of people before I really matter. I've got to achieve certain grades or certain degrees or have so many likes and follows on social media before I really matter. No, I matter to God because he knows me and he wants me to know him. And my relationship with him is more important than anything else on the planet. In my mother's womb, he was forming me. He was shaping me. And he knows me. It's super easy to feel invisible, isn't it? I know. I think all of us struggle, have struggled with that sometime or another. We're wondering, does anyone even see me? Remember when we talked about the names of God, we talked about Jehovah Elhoi, the one who sees me. 
Does anyone know me? Does anyone care? God does know you, and God does care. And even though the words in Jeremiah were for a specific time into a very specific group of people, we can still identify with them. And that takes us to our last fill-in for the week. Number three, God has given me hope and a future. Not just a hope and a future, but God has given me hope and a future. You ever wondered what God is up to in your life? <laughs> I've wondered that so many times. God, what are you up to? How does, even, how does any of this even make sense? Remember from the very beginning of the message, we found the people of, of Israel living in Babylonian captivity, and they're going to be spending 70 years there. God told them that in advance. I'm going to send you into Babylonian captivity, and you're going to be there for 70 years. So there'll be no surprises. And then God tells them this. In chapter 29, verse 7. And work for the peace and prosperity of the city where I sent you into exile. Are you kidding me? Not only are you sending me in captivity for 70 years, but now I have to work and live in peace with them? How does any of this make sense? And then look what he says. Pray to the Lord for it. Talking about the city. For its welfare will determine your welfare. God tells them that even though you're going to be living in a strange land, work towards peace. Contribute. Because you're going to be there for a while. How does any of this make sense? You see, God allowed their captivity. He allowed them to be in a place that's uncomfortable and doesn't feel like home. They feel out of place. They have no idea why they're there, why they're going through what they're going through. But then God tells them, wait. I've got a purpose for you. I'm refining you. I'm growing you. You're going to come back home in a while, but it's going to be different. Because I'm doing something on the inside of you, even in the middle of this. And listen to me, this is where you and I connect with these verses. Even when you're going through what you're going through, God is working in your life. Maybe he allowed it. Maybe he caused it. But he's working in you. If you keep knowing your identity in Jesus, he'll refine you. He'll work in you. He'll grow you right in the middle of your struggle. Right in the middle of your captivity. So what's God doing in you? What's God doing in me? Well, according to what I read in Scripture, he's preparing us for our future. A future of hope in his presence. And he calls that living in prosperity. Now, most of the time when you and I hear the word uh, prosper, we automatically go to awesome. Man, I'm going to get rich. Big house, nice car, huge retirement, 401k. But to prosper simply means to flourish. It's not just a financial term. It means health and growth and depth. The problem is we come to God and we want to flourish completely right now. We, we, we don't want to wait for it. We don't want to go through the struggle or the challenges. I want God to prosper me now and here, right now, without a lot of work, without too much pain. Make it all good. Make it all easy, God, right now. But think about this eternal truth just for a second. If you got everything that you wanted, and everything that you dreamed of, and everything that makes you happy right here, right now, then why do you need heaven? 
Why do you need the life that's after this one? The prosperity that he wants to give looks different for different people. Because remember, he wants us to grow and he wants us to flourish. So God might trust you to steward a lot of resources so that you can invest them well. And that's great. He's going to use you. He's going to grow you through that process. But he also might, he might be calling you to a place of poverty for the rest of your life. And I want to be really clear. Neither one of those is more godly than the other. They're just different ways to help us flourish and grow. And yet we have these two extremes in our culture today. We've got a prosperity message that says, if you really love Jesus, he'll make you rich. And we have a poverty message that says, money is bad. If you really love Jesus, then you'll be poor. Neither, neither one of those are biblical. The truth is that God prospers us according to his will, according to his purpose, according to his plan. So there may be times in which God says, I'm going to prosper you financially. I've got a reason for it. I've got a purpose for it. I want you to support people. I want you to help people. I want you to do whatever. And then other times God may say, listen, I need you to sell it all because I need you to move to the other side of the world and care for orphans. God works in different ways, in different people's lives. But here's what I know, that God's plan, his purpose is absolutely from eternity's view to prosper, to have his people grow and flourish. His desire is not to harm us, but to give us a hope and a future. The Apostle Paul got a handle on this when he said this in Philippians chapter 4. I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I've learned the, the secret of living in every situation, whether it's with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. So as we start this brand new year, we have a few options. We can either say this year is going to be fantastic. No problems, no issues, no pain, no pandemic, no po politics. Good luck with all that. <laughs> we can also say, Nothing's going to change. This year's going to stink, just like last year, hopeless and dark. Or we can see that now is the time to embrace a new day and recognize who we truly are in him. That we can know and experience our good, good father. And to know that he's a good God. And that he does indeed have a hope and a future for us all. Because this year, life, there's going to be seasons where it's hard and challenging. And guess what? God's going to be good and faithful. I'm looking, forward, I'm looking towards eternity. And guess what? Life will go really well sometimes, even bring a measure of success as we measure it. I don't put my hope in that. I put my hope beyond this world and into the hands of a Savior who gave his life for me. Our best days as a church and as followers of Jesus Christ are still in front of us. That's the hope that we have. That's the hope that we hold on to. Now is the time. Now is the time to put our hope and our faith and our trust in Jesus Christ. The one who died for you. The one who died for me. Now is the time to embrace that hope.
to embrace that future. Will you bow your heads with me wherever you are? Father, as we begin this brand new year, 2022, Father, we commit ourselves to you. Father, now is the time to embrace the hope and the future that you have for us. And that's to follow your heart. That's to discover your heart for us. Your heart for us, Lord, is to have a relationship with us. Thank you for redeeming us back to you. Thank you for having a plan all the way since the beginning of time to redeem your creation back into fellowship and relationship with you. Father, I pray for all those who are listening to my voice right now, Lord. If there's anyone who have never, who they've, they've never surrendered their life to you, they've never put their hope and their faith and their trust in you, Lord, I pray that they pray that right now, that they'll invite you into their life, that they'll ask forgiveness of their sin, that they'll repent of all their wrongdoings and turn away from a life that leads to destruction and instead turn to a life that leads to you. This can be our best year ever if we stay spiritually connected to the one who gives us life, to the one who gives us hope, to the one who gives us our future, and that's you. Right now, we love you. We surrender ourselves to you. We trust you, Jesus, with our lives. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, thank you so much for tuning in. Don't forget all the announcements that were made at the beginning of the message. And also, don't forget to check out our social media pages, our Facebook and Instagram pages, and also our app, newlifecc.com is our website. We want you to stay connected any way that you can. Pastor Dave will be live in Turlock this weekend. I'll be live in Patterson this weekend. Hey, we love you guys. Have a great week.